This recording is officially in progress, of course. It's in progress. So, so we better, we better, uh, we, we better start, start Do- talking start. about something. That's, that's, that's the, that's the thing. I'm, uh, uh, our starts, you know, um, aren't always super great, but you know, if you listen to like the Smart List, <laughs> if you listen to the Smart List podcast, they have similar starts. They that do are all, that are bad. That are kind of they're trying, you know. They and do. They, they it make it funny. Funny. They make it funny. They're they're. Yeah. We we should probably we should probably figure out how to do that because I'm yeah. not sure that our starts are funny. I think they're just painful. <laughs> I think this one's starting to become funny. Yeah, it's kind of you know <laughs> they, 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 these they, these starts are these starts are a little bit like when you first start making su- support phone calls to people. Oh gosh, yeah. Hi. Joe Smith, you don't know me, but I got your number from Gerald. Do you remember Gerald? Yeah. So Gerald, anyway, so that's what I feel like sometimes because I'm trying to think of something witty. I fail every time. But um, anyway, for yeah. those of you who who uh, listen to this podcast, you've heard us refer to Smart List now a few times. Um, yeah. I should just say out there, be warned, it uh, not always the the greatest language or rarely the greatest language and definitely some adult content uh not like pornographic but more like <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you say it's, adult it's, content you have to really it's jason oh, bateman boy. will arnett and sean hayes so yeah they're not, so, they're so not they're, putting they're, out family friendly content it's not family friendly content yes, yes, uh yes. it can be funny from time to time although i have to i have to listen selectively because uh i find if i if i listen to it too long i find myself uh maybe a little bit too, uh, I don't know. It produces a cynicism in me. I'm easily cynicized. Is that a process? Is that a word? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, It comes from the Latin of, (laughs) anyway. I I find it fascinating because they they tend to interview, uh, well, at least when they, I usually just watch it when they they interview other comics because it tends to be kind of a a conversation about the craft or what, 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 those people do for a living and how they how they do it. I find that kind of side of things very very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, when I they interview to politicians, like Seinfeld. Ah, yeah. I don't listen. Yeah, I don't, ah, I don't listen to this. It's terrible. You got. I just listen when they do like Seinfeld, Conan, Will Ferrell, people, people like that. Did you listen those. to Sandra Bullock? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, it was it good. was great. Apparently, she she yeah. grew up in Germany, has German family, Ooh. and speaks German. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, like, uh, anyway, she can she can rattle off the German with with zero accent. It was well, from what I perceive to be zero accent. Yeah. I'm. I'm. It may be a regional accent of Germany. I'm not sure. They are very yeah. regional in their accent. It is very regional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a German well, okay. word for that. It's good. Good Weichstenstum. Yeah. Something hard. They have a lot Sorry. of hard words. Yep. Uh, I was gonna say 35th anniversary of Joshua Tree release. Does that, does that make you feel old? Joshua yeah, well, well, I mean, in the in the pre-show, we agreed that we would you would sing it. So have at yeah, it. Yeah, sing the we'll start it with the the first one. 35, uh, 35 years would, of Joshua Tree, still one of the greatest albums ever produced. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone ever I think anyone would really can take make a strong case that's not a just a fantastic album. Yeah. Uh from start to finish. Uh I, I remember first time I heard one of their songs off that the first time uh, seeing the uh, where the streets have no name the video of it and yeah like whoa who are these guys this is something totally 
it's like 80, so this 30 the 35 years went with 87 is that i guess that would make it 87 i'm not good at math uh so if you if you're out there and you have never bought this album or listened to it you really should listen to it. it's just a great through the, the whole way through in the order in which it was produced yeah. Yeah. there was a time that, for those of you who don't know what albums are there was a time that yeah. albums were produced in, in order to tell a story or highlight a theme yeah. and they would if you listen to them in order, you would begin to understand what they were saying. Sometimes not. Sometimes they're just a collection of songs. Nowadays, I don't know if that's the way that they do things because, yeah. you know, you always listen know. to things on shuffle and everything else. But one should listen to Joshua Tree in order yeah, and then read read the lyrics because they are incredibly spiritual, deep, meaningful. Yeah, you know. with, with, with the actually a gospel song. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's an incredible album, incredible writing, artistic. I think the visuals of it too were so so kind of stark and powerful. You still have that image of them, you know, that they went out to Joshua Tree National Park in California. And yeah, it was. And it was. An, it's an album that is fundamentally about America. So they made their like their first three albums were like kind of new wave, post punk, kind of garage European albums, right? And then the next three albums. Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree, and Rattle and Hum were about America. That, that was that's the theme, or the maybe the landscape of all the songs mm-hmm. is, is, is kind mm-hmm. of America. So it's a, I think, an album that speaks still to a lot of America. And then okay, with Trees Have No Names, which became kind of the, uh, that was the song that was played at the Super Bowl after 9-11 at, at the right. halftime show. It's right. a powerful right. halftime show because. It was the one where they they had everyone's names who had passed away mm-hmm. and the attacks coming down, and they and they started also. I think they still do on most of their their live performances. They intro that now with a song, uh, and they did it at the Super Bowl too. Uh, that was I, can't, I don't I don't remember which song it is, but if you go and and uh, look it up, you out there in the interwebs, it's a, it's. But he so he Bono Bono would read the first part of a of a psalm and then go into that song, and then they changed the lyrics. Two, which is very interesting, U2 has a long history of changing their lyrics. Yeah. So they have the original lyric in Where She's Have No Name goes, I'll show you a place high on a desert plain. He changed it now to I'll show you a place with no sorrow or shame. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is, which I think Where She's Have No Names, if I can just make one last literary comment, was always a reference to two things, Ethiopia and, uh, heaven uh you know because where would a place be where the streets have no names right yeah the sums of ethiopia for one but also (laughs) heaven right uh i I assume when we get there we don't we don't need maybe we do need street names i don't know it's something to think about i think if your donation is big enough you get your name you get to name a street yes yes yeah so probably billy graham that's right there's billy graham avenue (laughs) You, you and I will be maybe alleyways where bubble people who stick their bubble gum. I'm, I'm no, guessing. but you know what? It's the least to be first. And the first that's last. true. That's true. We're going to have probably pretty big streets named after us. Just for the fact that we are kind of pointless. If my parenting skills are any indication of my place in heaven, I'm, I, you know, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, sweet mercy. Well, um, yeah, no, that there, there's a, um, when they were doing the, I guess it was probably 
was it the 30th anniversary of Joshua Tree? They were doing a big tour yeah, like on a, all the night shows. Tour, and, stuff. Yeah. and they were on Jimmy Kimmel and he's got mm-hmm. a, um, he's got a, uh, they were interviewing him and then they kind of just break into to performance. And it's a really mm-hmm. cool, really cool. You should look it up or maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely worth watching. Um, and they, they, they do the song. Um, yeah, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. which is also a gospel song. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they perform it though. They have sitting in the choir, um, the, uh, they did an, a number of years ago, they did a video, they did that song with now I'm break blanking on, on the, the Harlem, Harlem Tabernacle choir, Harlem. Yeah. It was on metal and hum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so they they have them come in and sing that with them, but they're just sitting in the in the audience. So all of a sudden, people stand up in the audience and they start singing with um, Sela. Uh-huh. Sela Choir is the is the name of the choir. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, okay, okay. and uh, so cool. Well, it, the the best part though is that there's these two. Like, so then everyone stands up, right? And they're clapping and they're singing, wow, this is so awesome. So, so Bono's kind of walking over in the, in, in, in the song, you know, walking around singing. And this one couple is just like starstruck with Bono. And of course, you know, hey, it's so cool. They're here on Jimmy Kimmel. Bono's right in front of them. And so they're clapping those at home who can't, because it's a podcast, you can't see me. So go and look it up. But this one couple starts to reach out, like to touch Bono, and they kind of realize, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. And so they kind of reach that. back, and the, you can see like there's this, this big awkward moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm, I'm with Bono, and and you just yeah. don't know what to do. It's just such a great, it's such a great moment. But the song itself, the performance of it itself, is is actually pretty yeah. powerful too. And I would yeah. actually use that song in uh, Sweden as gospel presentations mm-hmm. to to talk about the desires that we have and how we're longing for something more and how that can only be found in Jesus. Uh, so it's a total. I I absolutely love. Uh, which is good. Actually, I use that song and a girl. I was do, doing that at a talk. Uh, and a non-Christian girl happened to be at a meeting in Lund, Sweden. And then she came up to me afterwards and she was like, it, it, it just felt to her. It was, it was such a cool thing because she had never realized that, you know, what she considered just normal music could be so powerful. And it kind of introduced yeah. her this journey towards faith. So oh, that's awesome. Def- definitely worth a listen. Um, also yeah. worth a listen read is our topic for today. Since we're talking about evangelism. Yeah. Um, you call him Craig. I call him Rick uh, because I remember <laughs> his name earlier. Uh, Rick, Craig, Craig Springer, you're reading a book or you have a book. Uh, I have a book, which I everyone, everyone look read. at the screen. Uh, how to how to revive evangelism is the name of the book today. Uh, in- Seven vital shifts in how we share our faith. Yeah. So, so introduce it to us and, and we will yeah. riff on it, not having actually read yes, uh, Craig's read. life work, but we assume that it's good. Yes. Actually, no, the points that he makes are really good and we have experience as well. So go yeah. ahead and, and uh, present it for us. Yeah, how to revive evangelism, seven vital shifts and how we share faith by Craig Springer, who is the executive director of Alpha USA, which I'll, I'll say once again, I think has probably been one of the... the most effective evangelistic, let me say strategies. I don't know. Uh, outreaches alpha in the in in the last twenty or thirty years. It's, it's literally. I, I say we say movement. Movement. I think a movement. Yes. 
Uh, and so uh, I think what, what I've I picked this up. It looks good. Uh, it has great references. I have not read it. We have not read it. And so we were just going to we, we will read it. And we but we wanted to let people know about this book, especially people who listen to us, maybe a little time to think about evangelism. But I think when we looked at these ships, you and I immediately resonated with them as things we had to adapt and change and rethink uh, in Europe. Uh, yeah. in, in the way we've done and ho- hopefully done a good job at maybe making some of these shifts. Um, so I- I'll just read them and then we may pick one and go into depth on it. Sure. Uh, but, um, but I think it's, they're, they're really worth uh, noting. And I think this is um, maybe something somewhere where we're, we're helped, not just that, you know, I want to be here. We're not just saying we need to shift our evangelism strategies because um, uh, it's the, it's a context, you know, I, I, okay, yeah, that's part of it. But I think really what maybe we're talking about is also sometimes are we doing more, maybe more biblical models of, of or more complete models? I'm not saying going up to random strangers and, and sharing a track isn't a, a proper way to do it. It, it is. That, but how do we become more, maybe more full and more complete in how we present the gospel? Yeah, you so, know, I, I, had a, I had a seminary prof uh, who would always say, uh, who's a systematics prof? You know him. Um, now I'm blank on his name. Kreider, Glenn Kreider. Glenn Kreider, yeah. He would always he would always challenge to say, "Look, is that explanation sufficient? Is it yeah. does it yeah. does it carry the water the whole way?" And and th- that maybe is what what this is going after. So go go ahead. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and also does explanation, yeah. or, or you know, or. Uh, what, what do we mean by explanation? I would say uh, just an explanation may not be full, full com- complete communication of the gospel. It's a communication, but not full, maybe. So, so he, he says these, these seven ships, not just proclamation. But, wait, okay, I, I'm reading it backwards. Sorry, pardon me. Conversation, not just proclamation. And I think it's important he says not just. So he's not saying we don't. I think sometimes often we have these conversations and the thing is stop proclaiming, just talk no, no, that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a balance, I think. Uh, so conversation, not just proclamation. Belonging, not just welcoming. Experience, not just explanation. Fruitful, not just factual. We, not just me. And unity, not just uniformity. Mm. So which one of those stands out for you in the in the European context that... I think a lot of those, I think, uh, yeah, I think all of them, they, yeah. they, anything that, that, that for you is. Well, I mean, I mean, all, uh, yeah, we could, we could go through point by point. I think one of the things that it's interesting because his work, a lot of that seems to coincide with, uh, the book that the guys from InterVarsity did, uh, I once was lost, which is once was lost. Yeah. is also an important book to read. Um, I like the, we, not me. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's camp out on that for, okay. for a little while. Um, Sounds good. So I, I we often, mm, I'm going to be careful. It's easy to think that a gospel, that evangelism is just me going out and sharing, or I've got my, my people in ministry. So my group of people that I'm working with or, uh, this person is gifted in evangelism, so he needs to be the one going out or or whatever else. And if I'm if I would understand what that we not me 
would be hinting at, it's that evangelism, the making Jesus known is a community process. Yeah. And so that, that corrective here of we've maybe made it too individualistic. Uh, the West, specifically the, the, you know, West really influenced by uh, the, uh, not Reformation, the Enlightenment, uh, yeah. the hyper-individualization that occurred mm-hmm. in that. And so we then take that hyper-individualization and put that into our evangelism. And so maybe there's a corrective that needs to take place of, no, this is actually something that can be body evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. A body process. Yeah. I, I think so. I think, well, I think, and I think on a, on a, on the darker side of that, when I have as dark as not, I want to be, I also want to be careful. You can get a situation where uh, I, th- I think it was very, when I was on stint the first time in, in 1996 in Estonia, I raised this money. I applied, I did all this stuff to get to Estonia. And yes, I was on a team, but I felt, pressure it was probably internal pressure i don't think crew was putting any pressure but i felt like pressure i need to produce i need to be able to say i led this guy to christ i discipled him and now he's you know doing this uh i i, I, I think it comes from a very you know individualistic culture but also how how come sometimes we kind of uh talk about ministry even um, mm-hmm. and how we had developed ministry and what what I've learned in in even in the states, but in just in a lot of places, um, when I I think for one, when I step out of the eye and I me I've got to do it, it takes off some pressure. Number one, and mm-hmm. it makes ministry in general, especially for me for how I get because I'm not a natural one-on-one or a natural evangelist. I'm I'm more of a guy who I found that I'm really good at connecting people. I'm really good at inviting someone in. I'm really good at having conversation and listening. Um, but I, I, I would, pref- even though I have done it, I would often prefer that more people are involved in the conversation mm-hmm. uh, when people are, are getting close to knowing Jesus or hearing the gospel. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, you, you can get to this point where you're like, These are, this is my guys, this is my project versus inviting that person into a broader community and letting other people interact with them and um you know, my, 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 so one story I'll just share that I think really hits on this was we had a, a, a friend, we, was you and I had, um, my wife, we had a, we, we, at our, at our church, we had a program that adopted like graduate students mm-hmm. at SMU and we, mm-hmm. you know, to help them out, you basically, uh, and so we got to know this guy and his wife. And so his, at one point he had moved somewhere or something, something was going on. Anyway, she was, she had moved back to Dallas and she didn't speak. English, right? So she only spoke Cantonese, but Z and I had had her in our house. We let her stay while she was getting some things uh, worked out for she's so she could study at her at UTD, mm-hmm. University of Texas Dallas. And you know, we just you know just were a friend, took care of her, helped her out. And later, I was able to connect with a friend of mine who did speak Cantonese, and she started going to Cantonese church, became became a Christian, and but. You know, I, I never shared the gospel with this person, but I entered entered into a conversation into a yeah. into a bigger conversation about life, about who we were. We, eventually, you know, obviously we she learned English and we were able to talk more, but but you know, um you know, so I think there's there's this kind of need for a larger group of people often to be involved in, in the ministry to to, to 
evangelism. Yeah, and I think it goes back to our our um, conversations about evangelism in the past, about your gift set, about yeah. you know, things that you desire, and and maybe even the role that everyone plays in affirming or undergirding uh, a texture of an imagination for who God can can be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so I think that's a. Yeah, I think I think I think that's a, a a really important point. I mean, I've said it before on here again and again, but I, you know, in in um, in uh, various places that I've been, uh, Uzbekistan and then also Sweden and even Tunisia, um, we tended to approach ministry as a kind of team team effort. And so it was, yeah, you you might have a person that you seem to be the contact point with this person, but. Um, we kind of, it seemed like anytime we had these events going on or different things, we knew that the person I invited and that I might've brought there would ha- be having conversations with someone else yeah. that was actually making more sense than, than my arguments ever did um, or conversation uh, ever did. So, so I think that's a, that's a, a hugely important, I think it's a really, really valid point. Um, it would be interesting to see how, churches and organizations or ministries could tailor or make more opportunities for for that to be happening mm-hmm. so it's a shift mm-hmm. in it's a shift in our thinking it's a paradigm shift yeah but then how are we designing uh the activities that we do uh, or the efforts that we're making in order to reflect that reality yeah uh, that's a that's a really interesting question um, yeah I mean, yeah. I think I think here in Spain we do that because everything seems like everything we do is community driven. Um, yeah, yeah. The Spaniard as, who is as a alone culture. is a really weird Spaniard. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I think I think it's been hard for Americans who've come in though to to pick that up occasionally. I will say I think you know Spain, yeah. probably Italy, Portugal, very group uh, communal, clannish, you know, kind of cultures where you're right. It's very weird to be alone. Yeah. Uh, but as I think as Americans, you know, and I, it's, I'm not once again not to necessarily dog uh, being on stint, but there's this. I think there is oftentimes or a stint being a you know short term young person international coming over to 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 learn and to to reach the the country. But there is oftentimes I think this this pressure that we put on ourselves, or it comes from our American evangelical culture that. I've got to get my presentation. Like it, it becomes very me focused. And, and once again, I, I, I think there are people who are, who are clearly called to that kind of, I think that, that there are good, there are people who are good at walking up to random strangers and sharing the gospel. I think there are moments when the, maybe the Holy spirit, we see it in the new Testament where the Holy spirit walk, you know, just does something. And there's a very powerful one-on-one experience. So I'm not, we're not, I don't think you, either you are trying to say that's not, those couldn't be valid ways of sharing the gospel. I think what we're trying to say is there's a, there's a bigger picture and we need to not get sucked into one, uh, one kind of way of sharing the gospel, one kind of process. And I think too, I think, I, I do think there's a, there's a bigger history there in the church. I think people historically have probably become Christians through that process of going into a community and having numerous people share the gospel with them or be a part of their life and seeing, seeing something seeing life change, seeing uh, in other people, seeing how other people treat you, and then also having people. I, I tend to go the other. Sometimes I get so 
So we, I forget, sometimes you do just have to have a conversation with the person. At yeah. Some point. Yeah, I know that I know that a lot of people fight that of like, well, if we it's kind of one of those things It's like if we give them permission to relax a little bit, it will never happen. Like, I mean, I've met missionaries that have never actually shared the gospel, right, because they're they take that to the extreme or, you know, oh, I want to, you know, earn a right to share or whatever else. And then they're surprised when no one asks them, uh, you know, and so so they're you have to be careful there. But I think that there's a paradigm shift if if you. If we find ourselves in a culture or in a context in which we're thinking, okay, I'm the one that's got to go out and do this and, and uh, it's up to me and this is the moment. It, part, part of it's just tunnel vision slash myopia yeah. of just being too close to it. And sometimes we just need to pull back and go, hey, what's the long view? Here? So part of the long view is, well, the, the short view is I'm here in front of this person now, so I'm going to have this conversation. Uh, yeah. but, but the long view is... Um, it doesn't mean that you need to control that situation to make that happen right then and there that it yeah, can't be exactly you, you have stepped into that person's life in a point in time, but you may not be aware of what happened before. And you're certainly not aware of what's going to be happening after. So, so have that perspective and then see where you can invite others in, you know, your point about you like to invite others in, I would say that's, that's just as much of evangelism as, as anything yeah. else, right? Is who, how can I connect this person with someone who that's, that is um, conversational approach. So mm-hmm. let's transition to that one. Um, conversation versus yeah. presentation, right? Is that what yeah. it was? Pro- he says proclamation. Uh, conversation, not, not just proclamation, not just right. Pro- yeah, I like, I like the way he yeah. put that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So in conversation, so so to tie it into this point, conversation is something that can one, it's an exchange, so yeah. that's important. A true conversation, and you know, you can have arguments that are one-sided, and you know, uh, anyone who's been married long enough knows that conversations can can be one-sided or not not be productive. So we're talking about yes. productive conversations, yeah, uh, where you're really exchanging, listening, active listening, processing, yeah. thinking. Uh, exchanging ideas, conversations, generally the conversations that I've been a part of um, are a much longer uh, process than just the one conversation I'm in. So I would say that probably somewhere underneath what he's saying is we need a, um, we need a perspective of a longer game at hand that the conversations we're having are, we, we used to say that, so we would go out and do randoms, um, you know, at university, go up to a random student, talk to him. But we always said, um, this, this random is an introduction into a relationship. So we're not just trying to have this one conversation one and done. We, we want to have a longer conversation because it needs to. And so by taking that longer view, it allowed for more productive conversation. And I would argue it allowed for a marination of ideas. Um, it allowed for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it allowed for events of history to start to take shape so that a, a a better point could be made. So I was actually just now having before I got on this phone call, I had my Spanish lesson, and I've got in my my Spanish tutor is about he's about thirty years old, um, and we had talked one time about 
I think he wanted to talk about the death penalty. And I was like, my Spanish isn't good enough to talk about the death penalty, but okay. He was interested because I'm American. And anyway, so to know what, what I thought yeah. about these things. And so we started talking about some things. So that led us into the idea of, okay, well, is there a God? And so we were talking about a few things. Anyway, today he, he brought up, he said, Barrett, he goes, I usually don't think about some of this stuff. I don't like a lot of these things, but since with Ukraine and everything else, I've really been wondering, like, how does God judge all this stuff if there is a God? Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah. that because I had that conversation before and I wasn't very good at yeah. Spanish, but now my Spanish has increased a little better. So we had a better, more productive conversation, but also the advents of history have allowed for that conversation to deepen. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it was just, okay, we're going to let that marinate a little bit more. And so we, we made some, so I even talked about, yeah, you know, uh, Old Testament seems kind of weird sometimes when you read it, like God's angry. And he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, you always hear angry God. It's like, I don't know. Maybe do you think that the context which the Old Testament was written in was maybe a little bit different than what we're perceiving it to be? And now that we're looking yeah. at things like Ukraine and, and other things, maybe maybe it's not what we thought it was. Maybe there's yeah. something else going on. And maybe God isn't as mean or angry as we thought. Maybe he's actually more righteous and just. And yeah. he was like, huh, that's a really good point. I never thought of that. So so I think I think that's a conversation, right? So yeah. we're exchanging ideas and he, he made some good points that I'd never thought of. And so that helps me at the same time. So proclamation versus conversation. Yeah. It's a really, yeah. really good point. Yeah. But proclamation is important. Yeah. Proclamation. So I think, I think what, if there's one thing I would say with the, the me and me and the proclamation conversation is so, cause I think you're right. You're, there's going to be some people you're going to hear this and go, Oh, you guys just want to do nothing. You know, which is what I've, which, which is what I've heard. Like, it's 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 an easy and, and and this is i think sometimes people have misunderstood right you, uh these concepts and so they've gone to two you go to two extremes one is uh, okay i just got to get the 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 the, uh, the gospel out there as much as possible and so they become the the person who's constantly sharing their faith going out on campus uh going everywhere and sharing their faith but not seeing anything really happen and then you get the then those people then sometimes go flip side which is i'm just going to friendship evangelism. So I've seen this in missions as well here in, in Europe, where they just become friends with someone, a family, and they spend all their time with those people and they share the gospel a little bit, but they get, that's it. That's the, that's their one. So, so I think what, what he's probably arguing is like, you have to be in a context where Jesus is the issue. Or yeah. being talked mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. you know, which a church would be a, a great place like that, a, a small group, a Christian group that people have been invited to. So Jesus has to kind of be in the suit. They have to talk about Jesus all the time, but it's there, and the, the person understands that. Uh, and so you can have the conversation, or or you're developing a long term relationship. It's not the only relationship you're developing, right? Uh, or you know, you and you, you, or you're just really good at bringing those conversations up. But so I think I think that's key because we're not we're not saying go to these extremes. We're saying these, both these things need to happen. Uh, we and me needs to happen. Proclamation and conversation needs to happen. Um, you can't, you know. Well, and I, and I love what you said. Jesus needs to be a part of the soup. Um, yeah. I, I can't say. So Gary run a friend of yours and mine. Um, yeah. Great guy. When he was in Italy, they, they came up with this idea of, you know, you have to be gossiping the gospel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because you've got people who are otherwise disinterested. So if you go in with the proclamation, Hey, I want to tell you about what Jesus has done for you. They tune out. Yeah. But, and so we, I, I noticed this in Uzbekistan. Um, one time I was talking to a friend and, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, we've talked tons about the gospel. Um, I could bring this up again. I'm not sure he needs to begin to see, you know, how this really has practice in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and so something had happened. Um, there was actually a terrorist bombing yeah. in, in Tashkent when I lived there. And, and uh, so the next time we met, he said, you know, how are you doing? And I said, honestly, I long for, I just long for a world in which there's true peace and a righteous judge. Also, the the president had illegally taken a bunch of people at that point and, you know, all these things. And I just left it at that. And about two minutes later, he's like, what do you mean? And so I got to go through the gospel again because Jesus became a part of the conversation. And so I think part of it is, are you living your life and talking about Jesus in in a, a, a gossipy way in the sense of what I mean by this is people who gossip they do so because they're interested in what's going on in other people's mm. lives and outside of them. And so yeah. they just kind of, Oh, have you heard about, it? cause they just can't wait to talk about it. That's what gossiping the gospel means. It's, it's these little drops of, um, I mean, you know, again, you know, I long for true peace right now. That is it. So if I'm talking with my friends, they're like, Hey, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, but honestly, we're, we're having trouble with X, Y, and Z in our life. And I just, I've been praying about it. Yeah. You know, those things that you're, you're, it's a natural, a natural segue, it becomes part of the conversation. So then over your cup of coffee or whatever, it's kind of, what do you mean you've been praying about? How's that work? Well, I don't know. It's like this. So it, so then it becomes something that is a, I'm not, I'm proclaiming Jesus the whole time. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm also having a conversation with, with who I am. So being, we would say in, in Sweden, being bold in word and, and in relationship. So be bold mm-hmm. in your relationship, but be, yeah. also be bold in your words in those relationships. But don't, yeah. so don't back yeah. down from your beliefs, but also, but also do it in a way in which just, just relax, make it a part of your life. Yeah. 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 I, I think you said, you said active listening. I think, I think listening is a huge, you know, uh, partially because people go into conversations about God. I think oftentimes a little intimidated. You know, you're a Christian. Uh, and so I think there is, there's a little bit of fear, especially if they know you, if they, they don't want to offend you. So number one, there's a little bit of fear of offending. There's a little bit of fear of, I don't really know that much about things, but this guy probably knows a ton mm-hmm. and he's going to make me look bad or he's, he, or there's the, the, the typical people perceive the churches. It's this big bulwark of institutional truth. That's, you know, knows, has it all together and it's perfect. You know, there's, there's all these different perceptions people. And so I think, you know, I'll, so I'll say two things: coming along as a as a listener, but as a as a fellow pilgrim, and not having all the answers necessarily, but being willing to listen and ask good questions. You know, Jesus did a lot of asking good questions and listening to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he shared with people. Um, and I and I think uh, I think that's you know we have to re re drop drop the the need to get through a strategy and really listen and empathize and. And be a pilgrim with people. Like, hey, I don't, you know, I'm I'm walking along in this crazy world with you as well. I don't have it all figured out. And I, and so, and that, you know, this guy's an alpha guy, and I, that's the alpha groups. When they do alpha, one when, they, when you train the people who are going to be in the groups who are Christians, 
the the first thing you learn is in the group there are going to be people you should not you should not answer like there's a group leader they ask questions they facilitate there's some christians in the group maybe you can respond but your main job is to is to pray mm-hmm. before and to be in the group and listen mm-hmm. and and you never correct anyone because they, they've already heard a talk right so they can say whatever right. ever they want you don't you, you just listen and you get to know them and you share a meal with them and and what they found that what i've seen that is that it's crazy because then people go oh i thought you guys were gonna like when i said something you're gonna tell me i was wrong mm-hmm. i thought you were gonna do this i thought i because i i feel a little bit nervous about being here and what what they found was that people just by sitting there and listening totally changed people's perception of christianity and jesus and then you know you know, and then later on, you can have those conversations down the road, but you don't, we don't need to correct people. That's the other thing. We don't need to make everything perfect and fit in a nice little box. You know, people are going to, well, the Holy Spirit's going to get people there. And so I think that's, that's, it's, it's counterintuitive, but sometimes the best thing we can do is maybe shut up. Maybe <laughs> not always, not always it takes are, a little bit are of, are we talking discern. about evangelism or parenting <laughs> advice right now? <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit of both. Yeah, no, that I, I I do I do think that's true, and that is a that is a powerful thing. Um, and I, I I think especially when when people think they under again, there are lots of um, I tend to I tend to I want to be careful. I I tend to find people <laughs> who who are interested in in some a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, it's just people just end up in my life that, that tend to do those things. Um, and I've been trying to figure out why, why is that? And so here's what I've, I've come to. Lots of people believe lots of different things about the world. Um, I think hopefully what I'm hoping I'm doing, I'm, I may be wrong, but I hope that your average person feels like they can tell me just about anything and I'm not going to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think something about what I'm doing is just to kind of inviting people to go, Hey, here's what I think. Cause mm-hmm. other people won't be accepting of that, but you seem to be okay with the fact that I don't really think a square is a square and, yeah. That, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and so I think that that's important because that builds trust and that also builds a, a longer conversation. Uh, yeah. long mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's, that's really important. Which, which brings, yeah. I guess, us the if you take the idea then of of alpha and kind of people saying, "Hey, I was I was really accepted here." What was the one about belonging? Because I think that one, yeah, that I think that's another really well to that. And I think we see that I see that in Spain so much, but they go belonging, not just welcoming. Yeah. So I, I think it means you know the they say like, "Hey, you're welcome here," versus no, hey, you're a part of what's going on here. I mean, it it. I th- in, in, in the campus merging in Spain, we have taken the risk sometimes to put non-Christians in leadership positions because we, we I think we had a high value of like, we're going to let, we're going to have people belong even, um, uh, e- even if that maybe puts, is, is a little bit of a risk, but we want people to feel like mm-hmm. this is, this is a place for you and, and this, to get a sense of what that really is going to be like and look like, as opposed to just, Hey, you're welcome to be here. And, have a nice, here's a Coke and, uh, you know, so, see you next week. So <laughs> what, what, what kind of, what kind of leadership positions would you guys have put him in? Uh, president of the organization. No, 
I'm just kidding. That was head, head, <laughs> head of head of Agape Spain, church. <laughs> head pastor. No, uh, I mean, when we say, you know, leadership, we're talking about, oh, they might be on the, on the leadership committee yeah. uh, of the students or say like, hey, why don't you run this, you know, this group that, you know, like a volleyball group or something, you know, but, um, but I think it was, it, they, it was important that they knew our mission. They knew what we're doing. They, you know, they, they, they weren't, uh, you know, so that, 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 that's an extreme that that's, that's only happened a few times with some yeah. people that, that really, but I think more just, you know, uh, yeah, the sense of belonging, the sense of, well, that you are part of this group. Yeah, we, we did, we did that. We did that in Sweden as well is that we would take opportunities, if, especially if a student was just really wanted to be involved. Um, they had to show that they wanted to be involved. We weren't going around, yeah. you know, first non-Christian to walk in the door. Hey, you want to lead? Um, <laughs> yeah. But but we would we would find things that hey you want to do this like we're we're providing snacks for everybody you want to be in charge of yeah. you know organizing yeah. that especially exactly. a, a person who was tracking with what was going on and was more interested in what yeah. Jesus was saying so I th- and I think those are opportunities to provide belonging of hey you're you're part of this we, you know questions about how you do that in church uh might be a little bit different i yeah. don't know yeah uh, we're not a we're we're not a church in that regard so we're not church we, maybe it's not as important we can make up our own rules fine. really yeah <laughs> where we're going there are no <laughs> roads um, so so yeah so i mean i think uh i think that's really important i i do think uh i'm constantly maybe we'll call this we should we should write a book or a pamphlet called cheers evangelism Based off based off of yeah. the, show, the the theme song of Cheers, but sometimes you everybody want to know knows everybody your name. knows your name. That's a sense of belonging, yeah. right? So it's yeah, yeah. Ultimately, what that show was about was this was the bar I belong to, and you know, yeah, for better or worse, right? But but there's a reality of there's the and we 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 find it here in Spain. You've got your neighborhood cafe neighborhood bar that everyone goes to and that's the one they go yep. to, and the the waiter and everyone knows her name. And of course, of course, there's you know cafes that you know, people are in and out of and the more popular ones and blah, blah, blah. But there's the ne- also the neighborhood one, which is incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. There is something necessary about belonging. And even in highly individualized cultures, like up in the North of Europe, uh, I do think that there is a desire for belonging. The rules of how that belonging works may be a little bit different, but yeah. we, we need to invite people to belong uh, and find ways for people to belong so that Part of it is I, you belong to something you are you you start you start identifying. So one, yeah. one thing it's like I I arrived in Spain and um, pretty quickly I was like maybe I should maybe I should get a T-shirt of the local football team because I was like uh-huh. you know I'm, this is you know Santiago team found out they were terrible uh, yeah but but anyway you know one of those things was like I haven't bought the shirt yet but it was like that okay I want to belong to this place I want to find something to identify myself with these people and I yeah. Think, I think we as humans want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think even more so in this, in the milieu that we are in, the, the post-modern, post-Christian, you know, liquid modern, whatever you want to call it, there is this need to, to belong. That maybe has, because, because, you know, in the past, you would be part of a church. You would be part of, you know, communities were a lot more solid, if we can mm-hmm. say. And I'm not saying that they aren't, but... There's a lot more slippage now. There's a lot more uh, lack of continuity in mm-hmm. in West in, in in a lot of in especially in America uh, that we're, there are a lot of people who don't don't belong or don't yeah. feel or, or 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 
you know, jump even even out of their own choices. Sometimes, I, I, sometimes it's it is uh, a sense of an isolation and loneliness. I think a lot of people feel. Sometimes people, you know, they're they are tourists in this world. They are mm-hmm. jumping around, changing who yeah. they are, having all about experiences, but don't really don't really fit anywhere. And then mm-hmm. at some point, you need to you do need to fit and. You know, historically, the church would have done that for most people, you know, up until maybe 100 years ago. The vast majority of people got involved in the church. They may not have believed it, but they were there because it was it was it held the community together. Yeah, um, that, that's really yeah. falling apart. In the, I think in current, I mean, like the I mean, you just see it in the the rise of suicides in America, mm-hmm. the rise of drug use in a lot of the Western world, the rise of divorce and broken families. Uh, the UK has a, I've, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but the U- UK has a loneliness minister, a person who is, who they, who is working to address yeah. the problem yeah. of loneliness. In yeah. Society. yeah. So we're, it, I'm sorry, did you say that was Finland? <laughs> no, the United Kingdom. United oh, United Kingdom, Kingdom. But, yeah. Yeah. But I would take some other of those Northern countries. Might oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they need similar. One in, they need yeah. one in, in Sweden. 50% yeah. of households are, are individual households. Yeah. Yeah. In Stockholm part of that is my choice. They want to live alone, but they also feel isolated. It's a, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a vicious circle. Well, yeah. so maybe this doesn't have to do it with, maybe it does have to do with belonging. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, it has to do with transientness, I guess, or displacement. Right. Cause we have lots of refugees and stuff, yeah. but I, I do wonder how, how it seems like in just a few short weeks. So we're a few weeks into the war in Ukraine. Yeah. And I'm not sure how quickly things will go, quote unquote, back once yeah. this sort of draws to a conclusion, whenever and what, how, whatever that will look like. Um, but it feels like the world's changing really quickly. Like some, when, when that happened, like so on a, on a government scale, there's a lot of like basically a lot of people who were pacifists have suddenly become you know, neocons and, you know, different, like, I mean, uh, there's a joke that a, a neocon is a, is a liberal with uh, three teenage daughters. Um, but, but anyway, so my, my question here is we're really new into this, so it's, it's very dangerous, but do you see even some tides changing as far as people's, let's call it postmodern positioning um again it's really short probably yeah. not enough time to really but I, okay so here's what i mean like the conversation i had with my language tutor today was not a conversation that was possible 3 4 weeks ago but because of a change in history it's yeah. changed his perspective on what a righteous judge is yeah because it it highlighted evil for him yeah I wonder if some of the things that we're talking about, like, I still think we need the conversation and, yeah. uh, you know, not just proclamation, all these things, Yeah. but it might change the tone of the conversation or the openings for different types of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you, you got a good point there because I think in some sense there is a, you know, it's almost a world war two moment when you have to go and say, this is something we're dealing with that we have to oppose there's a clear right and wrong that maybe in other conflicts haven't always been as clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, a lot of people are 
without getting too geopolitical, a lot of people want to, you know, equate what's happening now with other past conflicts that the U.S. and Europe has been involved in, and whether those are valid, uh, you know, connections or just kind of propaganda of, of trying to avoid the sticky situation that, you know, this is clearly an unjust situation, and clearly the the rules are are, are have changed in, in in this conflict, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's right in the heart of Western Europe in the sense of that. It's close by. It's being. It's affecting us in in a lot of ways. So I, I do think that 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 should have some kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, the, the whole postmodern thing happened came after the horrors of World War Two, right? Uh, which World I think War One, uh, World War One. You, you got to see those two yeah. as, as yeah, together. Connected. I'm convinced yeah. they're so connected. Yeah, and the Spanish Civil War. If we're talking about yeah, Spain, right, and just the right. horrors that were uh, perpetuated, and so. I, you know, it's, so I think for Europe, those were harder things than maybe they were for the American, you know, America, we, we, we were able to see that as very clearly we came in and, and took care of business and, and solved the problem. And there was a clear, right, there's a clear right and clear wrong. And in World War II, it's hard to get away from that. Um, I think Europe struggled with that uh, post, post-World War II, the, uh, what they had done to some sense or what they felt had happened to them. Some, some of it was guilt, some of it, but that was where postmodernism really, the reality that we're not going to, but now, but the question is what, you know, post, will postmodern hold? Because now you have to take, we have to take a stand. We can't just go, well, Russia's truth is this. Putin's right. truth is this. So, you know, right. well, so he's totally fine. You know, he's got to be the best Putin he can be. So, yeah, you know, if we're going to use this platit- kind of postmodern relativistic platitudes, I mean, obviously they're not going to work. They're not going to hold up uh, at this point. Um, so it could be a shift. It could be also descent into more. <laughs> so, yeah, more and more or chaos, more other things. Like, yeah, chaos. It, it's it's hard to know what it is. It's just a in 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 maybe it's not not worth talking about too much longer. But it it, it seems to me that in some of these subjects of uh, welcoming versus belonging, um, yeah. you know, if you've got a situation in which, you know. I think it would be important. Um, if, 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 whether it be refugees or whoever, it's look, you belong here. Um, yeah. You, regardless of what where that refugee is coming from. Um, so yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it's just Ukrainian. I think that there are other situations. There are Rus- yeah. Russian refugees at the moment who have yeah. fled. There yeah. are other refugees from other countries who, you know, there's there's a whole so how how does one not just welcome but help them feel as though they belong but also you have to have a conversation because you're not going to suss out don't think that everyone sees the situation so clearly either yeah Yeah. it's it's confusing and that's why i think a conversation is important i i unfortunately my you know so often referencing parenting a lot lately i think because i personally failed but I, I think so much of my, I, I proclaim in my parenting, I often don't have a conversation. And so you, you we're not necessarily changing people's mind by just the proclamation. We need to, we need to have a much longer conversation, but yeah. because my children belong to the family, <laughs> we're able yeah. to do that. Right. And so part of that, those work hand in hand, the belonging and the conversation, but sometimes external Last comment, external things happen that change yeah. the 
Overton window of conversation, yeah, yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. What's, I, it, what's I agree, acceptable yeah. for, for conversation. So yeah. Yeah. A, a, a righteous and just God three weeks ago was impossible to think about talking about with yeah. a Spaniard or a Swede. Yeah. And now actually I think it would be an interesting part of a conversation because yeah. That, yeah. that's changed. So that's, a, I guess, a little bit. Of I, I think you're, I think you're totally right about we're, we're in a moment whether it's COVID or this, you know, there's obviously a, a fear and frustration with with the issue with Russia and, and Ukraine. I think I think we're in a moment when I, I think we have some some leeway to open up those those doors a lot more. I, I think you also see it in the sense that evangelical churches and churches along the border in Poland and Romania are in Ukraine who are jumped into. I mean, you and I we we have coworkers who over, won't leave. Yeah. And who are evacuating people in Ukraine? Yeah. We know people have gone into the Ukraine. So even even that that those 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 very clear steps of Christian faith to run towards the the problem, yeah. uh, to run into the disaster and 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 serve and help, uh, you know that's just. But that also creates. So I, I think you're right. I think we are in a moment in world history, uh, where 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 there is an opportunity. Um, and, and we do need to seize it as much as possible. I agree. Whether, whether that, you know, what, what that means for the whole world is hard to say, but I think it well, does mean we're seeing a lot of people going to trust Christ, certainly. And, you know, let's be honest that this is a situation in which we could easily practice belonging versus welcoming. So, like, if there are yeah. organizations who are Christian-based and want to get the gospel out, so GAIN being one of them that we have yeah. in Spain and all throughout Europe, uh, UNTO in the, in the U.S. Uh, is the organization belonging as a non-christian to something like that because you want to see change and bring things it's actually quite possible yeah and in the process of belonging you begin to say well wait a second i'm motivated because these things you're motivated because of these things how does jesus inform that it can actually become yeah. a very longer conversation right than just a, yeah hey you gotta you know so i think i think that that highlights it as well um so I think they're good opportunities to put those, these are good opportunities to put those things to practice. Um, and maybe part of the belonging is someone seeking answers in the middle of the chaos. So, yeah. hey, come in, we're, we're seeking resolutions to those things. Um, here's, where, here's where the conversation needs proclamation. Um, part of the conversation is, hey, I get, that we want to see the world as a righteous and just place. Guess what? We believe in a God who will return and it will yeah. be so. That's proclamation in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Right. So so I think both of those things they, they go hand in hand. And that's yeah. I think that's really important. Uh any other things in uh in Senor Springer's uh in Rick's book? <laughs> Poor Rick. Greg. Poor Greg. <laughs> we should have him on and I'll just call him Rick the whole time. You know, I think, you know, there, well, there's the experience, it's not just explanation, which I think, which I th a lot of these kind of bleed into yeah, each other, they bleed you into know, each other. you know, can, can we help people exper experience Jesus? Can we help them see that it, it makes a difference? I, I think that that's probably the one of the big blind sides of uh, Christianity, probably American evangelicalism was the, hey, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Yeah. Right. Okay. Then, 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 which is, which is, you know, once again, I'm not, I don't want to critique that much too much because that's, that's a valid reason. But I think the difference is to show people that no, that the gospel makes a difference in your life now. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's not going to solve all your problems, but it does, it does make a difference. It uh-huh. does change who you are and it doesn't just get you out of, uh, you know, cause I think we, you know, we've all had that experience of people just, yeah, I believe, but their life never goes beyond anything or, uh, yeah. Uh, N.T. Wright's really good about talking about this, a, a gospel, which is, um, these aren't his words, this is mine, but which is sufficient enough to, to span all of history and mm-hmm. not just, so the past, the present and the future history of eternity of a righteous and reigning judge. So that's the, that's the ultimate good news that we get to participate in. And, and so, but I think it also, the, that experience, I think it has to do too with, with the fact that people need to experience us as changed people too. Yeah. So it becomes with yeah. a, it comes with a little bit of introspection involved, right? Hey, if I'm if I'm going yeah. out in this evangelism things, what does my life look like? Am I an yeah. integrous person that is attractive, um, not just physically, but spiritually? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That you know what's what's interesting though is that there is a there is a. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I was about to step into a whole different <laughs> rabbit trail that might lead us into some kind of uh, over a cliff, like a lemming. So we, this would be the, the, the lemming podcast. The lemming you podcast. Know, sorry, totally random. But did you know that yeah. the idea that lemmings jump off of cliffs is a complete and total myth? Yeah, I didn't know that. They don't, but they you, don't commit mass suicide. Yeah, but that's like, like it just doesn't make a lot of sense that they no. would be doing that. No. It's kind of funny to think about it. Like yeah. lots of little furry animals jumping off cliffs in like Sweden, Norway, Norway, and and uh, and Canada. It uh, was a Canada. Walt. It was a, it was a Walt Disney lie. Yeah, they yeah. basically anyway craziness, craziness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for like Wild Kingdom or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff we believe that. Yeah, probably need to go back and double check. Yeah, but you know the capital of Texas is Austin, <laughs> which is really all you need to know in this life. Uh, well, Garrick, I think I think I think these are good. I think the, yeah. the shifts that he talks about, the paradigm shifts, uh, yeah. and shifts that we need to make, or we should have uh, Craig, aka Rick Springer, on Rick, Rick Springfield, <laughs> Jesse's girl. Uh, <laughs> It would be it would be great to have him on to to defend himself, even though I think we have either we've mutilated yeah. his book or we have we've affirmed it. Uh, either yeah. way, you probably should go and buy the book to join the conversation. And yeah, uh, I w- it's got a lot of good. Uh, you got Nikki Gumbel, Ed Stetzer, Alan Hirsch. They're all saying this is a good book. As you said, we should have read. We should have written this book about eight years ago. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think. I think you and I. So, I mean, not to, to make ourselves, but we've been through the rigor on the evangelism world when it comes to trying to reach Europe, and we've we've seen these things, we've thought them through, and we probably didn't articulate them as well. Someone who could write them in a book, but uh, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, do you, do you sometimes feel a little bit vindicated that? A lot of things we were working on and trying to figure out that okay, well, yeah, this this these people are writing these books, and I, I'm also very optimistic about the future of Western Europe and the ministry in Western Europe because I do feel like they're now starting to produce books to 
more and more resources that are geared towards how do we reach, how do we be the church in a Western secular postmodern context? How do we do yeah. that? So I feel, I feel like my life maybe wasn't totally wasted. Yeah. And I think the good, yeah, I agree with all of those things. And I think one of the great <laughs> things about some of the books that are being written is they're, um, they're they're pretty they're pretty um, they're they're paradigm shifts that will serve us much longer than a cultural moment. Yeah, yeah. So the cultural moment may be you know because the cultural moment just changed in some sense with Ukraine. Yeah. But the yeah. paradigm shift that he's talking about that is guided towards a very postmodern person actually will serve us going into that future too. The things he's talking about are not disserving they are actually will serve for a much longer period of time than just one particular cultural moment and so i think that that's a really key thing and yes exactly i do feel vindicated and we should find more people we should select more materials that vindicate our position our only to to reinforce (laughs) the error in our own minds but at least we have a host of people screaming that we're right yes uh well (laughs) I uh, I looked up the the psalm that Bono recites before now they perform where the streets have no names and where they I think first time they use it was in the, the Super Bowl after nine eleven as it was kind of which was kind of a cathartic experience because it mm-hmm. was it was an attempt to heal America but it's two psalms actually so Psalm fifty one he would he would read Oh Lord open down my lips that my mouth may show forth Thy praise. And then he kind of goes into a paraphrase of Psalm 116. He says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? I'll lift high the cup of salvation, a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God. I do. And sorry, I'll complete what I promised God I do. And I'll do it together with his people. Mm. And then they would go into where the streets have names. Love that might be some proclamation. Is that proclamation? Sometimes you just got to proclaim it. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to proclaim it. Rock concerts. In, in rock concerts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great talking with you, man. Yeah. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, hey, we get to see like each other, place. I think, uh, soon. So that'll be nice. Like two days. Yeah. Friday. Yep. So in, to- in Toledo. I expect or, you to bring as these they flowers. Say in <laughs> <laughs> Toledo, as they say in Ohio. In the Ohio or Toledo. In the, in, as we would say in the old country. In the old country. Great talking to you. Bye con Dios. Likewise. Buen camino, my friend. Buen camino.